All right, I think our ad is over in like 25 seconds. Get comfy and get funky. Do the funky chicken. Oh, man. Yes. Talk about that. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Dungeon Master Discussions. I am Zach the DM, and I am joined by the wondrous, the only, the legendary, Bam, from Art Heart Studios. Hello, Bam. Nice to have you here. Dude, thanks for having me. Thrilled to be here, man. It's going to be a great conversation. Today, we're talking about intoxicants inside D&D. So if you guys haven't watched the show before, Dungeon Master Discussions is all about me interviewing different Dungeon Masters and trying to kind of dig into their brain and find out what they do at their tables. I find myself, the only way that I can learn is having other people explain how they do things. And so creating a huge collaborative art piece of different Dungeon Masters that you can take different little gold nuggets back to your table. And uh, today, I think we're going to find ourselves a few nuggets. Welcome, Bam. Um, a, uh, a little bit about yourself. Would you like to introduce yourself? Sure, man. Yeah, um, I'm Bam. Uh, that stands for Brandon Allen McClenahan. It's just easier to say Bam, and I feel like it covers who I am a little bit better. Um, but yeah, I'm an actor out here in Las Vegas. Uh, I play Mordred, the evil fire wizard, in uh, Tournament of Kings at the Excalibur Casino. Um, and uh, I'm also the uh, CEO of Art Hard Studios, which is a web media film design little studio that we have out here in Vegas. Uh, and I am the dungeon master for uh, Weed D&D, a uh, cannabis positive uh, live play experience. So, uh, yeah, man, that's that's it. That's that's me in a nutshell, I say. Oh, it's it's pretty awesome nutshell to be in. Like, I would definitely say I'd be like, I'd be. I'd be quite happy to be in that nutshell. Well, uh, my phrase in there. But anyways, Ben. <laughs> You're always looking in my nutshell. Aww. So, uh, for your part in Weed D&D is actually the big reason I wanted to get you on here and talk, talk intoxicants, because you guys are do not shy away from using marijuana, cannabis, weed, in your campaign, in your um, in your game. In fact, if you have a lighter available, a lighter's up for our crew from Art Heart Studios. Well, thank you all for joining yeah. us. Rules are rules. <laughs> all right. Yeah. So, no, we uh, we do. Yeah, we uh, we are a cannabis positive actual play. Um, when it comes to the show itself, I think we advocate more for cannabis normalcy. Um, we're not necessarily like encouraging you to smoke while you play. We're just trying to showcase a group that kind of stands against a lot of the traditional stereotypes of cannabis users. You know, we're a bunch of like motivated, passionate, successful entertainers, and uh, we love collaborative storytelling. And this is a way that helps us cut through the bullshit a little bit and get right to the game. And uh, and it also makes for a little bit of a, of a little extra good time. So yeah, we have our little rituals and stuff in the show. But I think it's important to show that it's like, you know, this mythos about what that would be like is a bunch of bull. And so we try to showcase a high stakes, emotional, compelling game um, that is played by a bunch of silly stoners. And, you know, it's it's the fun medium of those two things. But uh, but yeah, man, we uh, we're not like I said, we're unapologetically cannabis users. You know, I don't there's not really anything I feel we need to apologize for or. Uh, you know, make amends toward. I mean, I think our creation kind of speaks for itself, you know? So, um, yeah, I think you're right, bro. We don't, we don't shy away from it at all in any way. And one of the cool things about our community is we've been able to help educate people on the truths of cannabis consumption and use and help steer people toward, you know, new smokers that have a lot of questions and stuff. We can help guide them in, in, way, in tried and true tested methods um, and share our experience with them and help demystify both cannabis and Dungeons and Dragons, two things I care very passionately about. So it's been a treat and a half, man, seriously. And seriously, two things that are very mystified, things that people think are completely different than what they really are. Absolutely. And so bring them in together because 
Uh, me myself, I smoke marijuana nearly every day, as it is legal where I live, that and I use it as self medication. Yes, and uh, even where it isn't legalized, marijuana. Yeah, seriously. Um, yeah, check out national organizations like Normal, and uh, there's really awesome cannabis advocacy groups out there doing a lot of really good work to try to help people get things that can help them. So. You know, it's like there are people fighting a really good fight. We are a very small, like we are the the comedian in the corner of the room uh, of that movement. But I do I do encourage people to take a look at the the actionable committees in your area. There's people fighting really good fights very passionately for something that a lot of us really believe in. So I can't I can't not shout those people out there doing the real work while you know we play in our fantasy world. <laughs> yes, exactly. No. It's all about the people actually doing all the groundwork and all the paperwork that's involved in it. Absolutely. But let's get in right into the topic of mm -hmm. intoxicants, D&D. So what I want to start with is I want to talk about, of course, what we do in the fantasy world. But I also want to talk about what we do at the table. So, of course, uh, in uh, we D&D campaign, you guys uh, use marijuana at the table. Uh, is there any during your normal games? Do you how do you use or rule on uh, intoxicants, alcohol, cannabis, mushrooms, any other kind of intoxicants at the table? Well, it's funny because I tend to just by nature of like my life, I play with a lot of actors, and actors right. are already kind of like used to the social contract of your function within a group or an experience. And yeah. so, as a player, there is an expectation of your role. Okay, you're you're going to need to be coherent enough to function within your role, you know, role play with me a little care about the details, remember what's happening. Uh, don't steal moments from your fellow players. And as long I think the line and that line will change for every group that you play with. And it's important to discuss that line. But for me, the line has always been like, as long as you're still able to perform your function, because some people enjoy like myself included enjoy you know, smoking a joint while I play a game. And I like where it lets my head go, but typically it's because I engage in the game even more richly. And so it would seem strange to me to be like, you can't do that and play at this table. That would be, that would be a little hard for me. But we can all understand that there is a point in any type of consumption. Now with cannabis, typically you just kind of fall asleep or get really hungry. Um, but if alcohol or things of that matter, there is a point at which you are no longer capable of performing your role. And once you go past that point, it comes any enjoyment you have comes at the cost of every other person at the table and our personal time and the very limited time we get to do this thing that we love so much is so valuable that I think we all have an experience in our mind of somebody that went beyond that line. And it, I understand why some people are like, never again, we'll never do that again. And I, I would say that's more. Uh, related to the individual rather than the ideology. You know, as long as there's a mutual respect for every person at the table, the way I would expect there to be about anything else, you know, like a session zero covers a lot of this kind of stuff, which I encourage. Um, I think it's, I, I think, yeah, I, I, I have no problem with people doing, it's your free, it's your, it's when you, it, what is it? You're with a bunch of people around a table, whether it be digital or in real life, and you're with people. And so if there's a way you prefer to engage with people, then I'm, I'm all for it. As long as it doesn't steal from your role at this experience, we're all kind of building together. Uh, when someone does get too far, they, they do drink too much, smoke too much. Um, how do you go about it uh, as a DM yourself? You know, that's a fair question. And again, it's like, I don't like to answer questions with like, well, that would depend on, but it's, there is a range of answers to that. There's ways in game that you can, like if, if a person is like falling asleep at the table, a really funny thing to do is just to have their character do the same thing. And then it's like, it kind of breaks the tension. And in some groups, that's fine. You know, the guy falls asleep in his chair. We all kind of make jokes at his expense while he, you know, he drank too much. Sometimes if people are getting made uncomfortable, or if, and again, I, I think your role as the dungeon master as typically host as well. It's like, you're responsible in these moments for the emotional well-being of everybody around you. If that starts being hindered, then the approach becomes a little bit more abrupt. I mean, I will straight make you leave my table if somebody at my table looks like they might never want to play this game again because of something yeah. you did. This game is way too important. And the 
we all know when we've had too much. And so it's like, you know, it's, I would allow them the same respect. I would hope somebody would give me, let me take myself out of the situation in a way that it's like apologize or whatever. Um, mm -hmm. But if they didn't, I would have no problem just removing them. If that yeah. was the best way to do it. That's make, that makes sense, especially making other people uncomfortable. It, it, it really is the dungeon master's job to keep everyone in a certain social structure. Like that's really the only power that we have over our players is like the social power that we like made up for the yes. game's sake. Yes. Like we have no law and order power. We can't can't have any real life implications besides being like, your character dies. Yes. Right? <laughs> your made up character that you can think doesn't die in my head died. Now he's dead. Lightning bolt. <laughs> um but what would you how would you handle um it if the session kind of someone shows up too inebriated this they kind of do things which ruin this not ruin but make the session worse off and then afterwards do you think you're more how would you handle it i would i would absolutely i think it's funny because a lot of i see a lot of stuff in the community asking similar questions to this like i have an issue with one player how should i address it exactly. and to me it seems very i i i my answer is always the same and that is to discuss it with them. And it's those conversations aren't always easy, but by getting rid of all the he said, she said potential, just go directly to the source, have or have an adult conversation with the person and be like, look, this is what happened. It cannot happen again. Um, if if you I, I I firmly as a human being believe in second chances, you'll see them in my in all of my campaigns. Um, it's it, I will also allow somebody to apologize for a mistake that they made and make amends through their actions. Um, so you do get one. Um, but if it's two, and again, if it's a degree thing, like, again, if I feel like maybe somebody never wants to play D and D again, because of what you did, you might not get that second chance. That's, yeah. it's not worth it to me. Um, but again, because of the nature of D and it, it's more often than not an associate, somebody, you know, or related to somebody, you know, or, uh, people you've discussed uh, again have a session zero a lot yeah. of this gets taken care of you know what i mean like as if you're the type that's like oh some nights i lose i get blackout drunk sorry typically that'll come up in a session zero and it's like you can all collectively because the dm does have power over the game but we're all human beings you know and so it's like like you said that social power this kind of like intangible ephemeral thing is just as strong as everybody believes in it. So as long as everybody feels like they're being heard and everybody's comfort is the goal, I, 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 those problems don't tend to happen at my tables anymore. You know, when I was a teenager, yes, that stuff happened a lot. Um, but I, I honestly, it's like, it's such, we, we don't have enough time <laughs> to, to waste the good gaming time when you get it. I would definitely say it's more of a new DM problem because as you get, uh, at least I've found, uh, as I've found more and more people to play D&D &D with and more people like hear about me and they tell their friends, I get a good, decent group that I know that if they if they tell me someone's good, they're probably good. Right. Um, so I haven't had that issue in a long time, but I, earlier I found it, I definitely had it. Like you said, in your high school days, yeah. I did it in my college days, it just you get some people that just couldn't work with others quite well. Yeah. And yeah, it's the exact same advice. I just advocate for talking to people. Yeah. Communication is such a strong thing. It's a game. It's, it's, it's like the vitriol that you experience sometime within this community online is I feel comes from a place where people do forget how much of a game this is supposed to be. And that it's like the ideal it's, it's, I mean, all the great DMs say it. If your table had a good time, that's the most important thing. It's not, anything else and so for me i like to facilitate an experience that allows people to have the most fun possible so um but you're right it can be a tricky thing because those lines are not always so clear that you know when you're about to go over them and yeah. by being with honest and upfront and just talking to people most of those things kind of resolve themselves much easier than they start to build up in your mind if you don't just address them yeah i, I find that's one thing that is like ruined more campaigns than anything is players holding things in and yeah. not saying it and then they they they're like they come to a break point where they're like no i'm done fuck that person fuck this game and it's like whoa 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 whoa, whoa. yeah when did this start yeah. <laughs> session two 
Yes, and like Dun Dungeons and Dragons so often does. It's such a good parallel for life. It's like, it's the same thing. It's like, don't just sit and dwell on these things because you'll just, they'll turn into some monster that you can't handle. So, I, I man, I, yeah, I'm a firm believer in just direct communication, especially in a game where we're like playing fantasy heroes and like telling fun, magical stories and stuff. It's like, what a dumb thing for anybody not to be having a great time doing, you know, it's like, there's like, there's a way we can all have fun here. So, <laughs> so you as the DM, how do you find that your the intoxicants kind of help you uh, perform in your role? It's like we were kind of talking about earlier. It's a, yeah. it's a performance. Yes, absolutely. Um, and I think as you play the game, you know, what you, what your belief in the role of a dungeon master is may shift. I, I currently believe in it very much as the role of an entertainer host. Like I'm trying to facilitate a good time for people. And, uh, and so, yeah, it's uh, for me, it's immersion. It is uh, it's the real life is not the best thing sometimes. And fantasy worlds tend to be pretty awesome. And so it, the trick, just like, again, I, I, I hate to parallel to acting so much, but it's, it is the experience that I've had in my life. It is hard when, you just broke up with your friend or you know, your, your significant other, and now you have a rehearsal and you have to walk into a room and be somebody else. And it's important that you can do that and leave the other thing somewhere else. And so for me, and the reason like with we D&D, we start, we all take a hit together. It's this, it just helps us get from this place to that place. Yeah. And, um, and, and it's, you know, it's again, it's not like we're sitting here ripping six foot bongs every three minutes or anything. Are, are smoking other than the rituals of smoking on a critical hit or a critical miss, um, which adds a little variety to the game. But it's like, other than that, that's kind of where it sits. It makes it a little easier. You know, cannabis itself stimulates your frontal lobe. It pacifies the voice inside your head that stops you from doing things or saying things. It doesn't necessarily make you more creative. It just makes you less immediately critical of your own creative thoughts. And so if everybody, again, I'm speaking specifically to cannabis here, um, if everybody's on that wavelength, it tends to be a little easier that the hardness of like, am I going to feel silly if I take this too seriously or like how into this situation am I, is it my character does this or is it, I do this or, you know, and like, am I going to do the voice? Am I going to, you know, all that stuff. I, I personally believe that cannabis helps kind of flesh that out of the way and let us get into the joy of collaborative imaginative storytelling this like ancient thing that humans have always done in a really fun way where we get to be the heroes of these myths that we were taught when we were kids you know it's it's such a cool thing so it's like whatever helps me get to the ideal of that the fastest i'm yeah. going to use and that's and that's what we do you know and i think yeah. our games speak for themselves i don't think we you know stammer and stare at the floor or uh are un motivated or not you know not quick-witted or have trouble it's like no we're we're people we're all just people man we're just you know it's like we might laugh a little bit more at some stuff but other than that it's just a way for us to get away from all this other crap and just really enjoy the thing we're doing with each other oh and i love that that's that's honestly like like we said earlier it's it's dnd is all about having fun if the if the group is having fun then great. If you're the, the DM is having fun, great. If you're streaming it, if the audience is having fun, great. I don't think anything you're doing in between should matter. Yeah. Agreed. Like spare the insane outliers that somebody can think of. Yes. We all play D D, we can all think of some insane outlier. Yeah. Spare those. Those are the exception, not the rule. Absolutely. And uh for those that don't or haven't smoked marijuana i find for dming while drinking because i smoke and sometimes i like to drink while dming i like to dm intoxicated it like you said it, it opens that that mind and that's why i was very excited to talk about this because i myself would consider myself an intoxicated dm yes <laughs> um i find weed is more of like a calm like uh freedom of your expression well, alcohol is more of like a, this is my expression. Yep. So yeah. in a way, I would find, I would say, and also marijuana affects everyone differently, just like drinking affects everyone differently. Absolutely. So some people smoking weed is not for you at the table. Yeah. Drinking is not for you at the table. Yeah. Can All you right? your role? <laughs> All right. 
it's it's the social responsibility you talked about um speaking of that have you ever found uh intoxicants have hurt you or hindered you in any way as a dungeon master as a dungeon master uh not particularly uh as a young adult perhaps but uh um <laughs> no yeah like as a dungeon master um i think again it's i people that want a dungeon master dungeons and dragons all there's something that connects all of us and that is we have an innate love for the game and the system in a way and so it's just like you just kind of foster that thing and build from it and so that's that's where i've always kind of stemmed from and so the idea of letting something so precious to me get destroyed by something that i know is very powerful it's like you know, it's not like we're all sitting around smoking crystal meth at the table or anything. And, you know, it's like it's it's marijuana. It's a it's a couple beers or something like that, you know. And uh, and it's funny just to kind of tail off of what you had said. It's funny. I find as a DM, I definitely smoke. Um, I was I tried drinking wine while we were running game and the one time. But I smoke a lot during the show. And so it just I was like, you know what? Maybe no. But when I play, I like a, like a beer or something just to get that, you know, I'm gonna, mm, yeah, I'm in the character. And you know, a DM, you're doing 40 things at once. So you don't really get to think about it. But as a player, you get to fester and sit in that thing that you are for most of the night. And so I do, and I'm not a huge drinker by any means. I'm not like a, I'm barely a social drinker. Like I'm a stoner, true and true. But like, yep. again, when I play, I like a beer. I like something that gets me a little like, all right, I'm gonna role play this out. I'm gonna set the tone in the room right now. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna cause a little mischief and have a little fun. Like, yeah, it is, uh, it is funny how, and again, it affects everybody differently and that's yeah. how it affects me. So um, it never really becomes like an issue at any of my tables or anything, but I don't have a huge, this one time destructive drug story um, that relates to any games I've ran. Um, if anything, the only times people storm out of the room crying, it's because of like rules and stuff. So it's, you know, it's, that would be where my, my big explosions and games came from, but yeah, no, nothing really, where I have like some horror story that I learned a lot from or anything. It just, so far it's been pretty, pretty chill. Everybody kind of respects the the space. And yeah, uh, uh, the community all just wants to have fun. And I think that's why the community has grown so big. It's just, it's, it's all about fun. It's yeah, all yeah. we want. We want to roll our click clacks and get the gold. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And like, and just connect to something that's out there and flesh out some personal stuff that you don't realize you're doing as you play these characters and, you know, there's a there's a power to and you see it in so much of the therapy that's coming out of the game now, you know, like LGBTQ groups using it to deal with social interactions at young ages and stuff. And like there's some really inspiring work being done in that arena. But it's like there it's and like to us, it's like, well, of course, like this, like Dungeons and Dragons was like a therapy for me at times. Sometimes at times it shouldn't have been. But, you know, it's like it's it is a place to refine some of your thoughts that you wouldn't get to test in any other arena, you know, like. Sometimes it's like, what does it feel like to to put yourself on the line to, in a in a fatal sense for someone else? And even though it's imaginary, it's if depending on how again immersed you are in that moment, you know your brain's kind of getting similar stimulus response from it. So, uh, yeah. Dungeons and Dragons is a great way to like learn your own mythos and test those you know morals that you've kind of learned from childhood and see how they play out in real life with a little you know with a little with a with a no risk scenario you're free to yep. fail you know if yep. you die whatever you still wake up and you get to go to work the next day or whatever like it's totally exactly. free to fail no and and i actually really heavily believe in like therapy and dnd i've i've definitely i definitely found it's been like a self therapy for myself like kind of like when i'm creating an npc and i'm being like oh they just went through this moment how would they feel and i'm trying to put my head into their head and then i'm like building their characters and i'm like oh god this is me oh i've made it oh i've made it oh this is really what i oh god oh look at another issues crap <laughs> oh gosh oh no and yeah no the truth like, oh, i didn't i didn't realize Oh God! I realized now. What's my fault? I need to call Vanessa. Ugh. Vanessa, please. Vanessa, I'm so sorry. Oh <laughs> uh, well, let's get into using intoxicants in the game itself in D and D. Yes. Now, I've enjoyed personally using in different intoxicants in D and D. I found it's been a a fun little way to both kind of give like a little in joke to my players 
and it's kind of a an in, it can add some interesting mechanics um how have you used just different intoxicants in your game like it started you know when we were kids it was just like ridiculous stats that made no sense because we didn't know what anything was so it gave you plus 10 to dexterity and you were tired for a week and stuff um as i and my thoughts about these things have matured so too have like the substances in my game Mm -hmm. um i do like uh psychedelics in gameplay because like my narrative tends to be skewed from some numerous experiments in that arena and so it's a nice way to take a story that's already in these heightened states and then just like amplify everything um in our own game we had like that classic scott pilgrim battle of like these two people on this jubu juice this powerful psychedelic being able to like make with magic what they thought in their mind and it's like what that became as a role-playing game back and Ooh. forth like all right now what do you do with like unlimited you know epic arena in front of you and it was like and the fun that came out of that and then of course the inside jokes and the you know anybody that's you know has done those things will be like oh and then you know i try to eat mangoes and i can't eat mangoes ever again and stuff so, you know it's like it, it builds its own little thing um but i like them and like to you know, it, it, it's uh, with Gonjaria. So, like, we Dini right now is we're in season zero. It's called the prologue to Gonjaria. And so, Gonjaria is the world that I actually built for we Dini when we were going to launch live. That's what it would be. And in that universe, uh, the the weave the weave of magic is broken because the connection to the gods is is no longer there. All the gods lose their power. The Feywild takes over the Prime Material Plane, and the source of the new magic is this plant from the Feywild, this magical ganja. And so in a very Final Fantasy style, these master nugs go to the great five kingdoms of men that remain after this Feyfall disaster. And uh, and so, yeah, in my world, uh, the, the actual essence of magic will be literally like a permeation of this magical plant. So, um, you know, in and so much as a function to describe what magic is, and then I'll let other people decide what they want. I don't want to answer too many questions with the core book for Gonjaria, it's like I want people to have to have fun and play in it and come up with all their own ideas. So, um, but yeah, I do. I'm in it, man. I, I it's like heck. If I'm going to be smoking weed at the table, it's strange not to then allow that to exist within my own fantasy setting. <laughs> right. D and D is kind of like a just like a, a better reflection of real life. It, it still has all those like troubles and terrible things. However, you're these heroes that can defeat them. Exactly. Yes. Yeah, you're not. Yeah, it's not like a six series campaign about your battle with addiction or anything. But you can save people that are addicted to the strange drug that's killing them. That's a fun story to tell. You know, I love it. But yeah, no, I I, I don't have a. I, I'm sure when Gonjaria is like, because we're like working on a book form for it, um, it'll come out as like a fun free to play PDF thing first, just to play test some of the ideas in it. But it's like I wasn't gonna do like a drug column type thing, but it's like as we get closer to it, and the more people I talk to about it, I'm like. Yeah, no, there's going to need to be, you know, like I'll, I'll need, there will need to be some kind of appendix in there for like the, you know, how these various psychedelics and stuff affect the universe around them. And that is actually sounds like a lot of fun to figure out. So yeah. I'm looking forward to it. That actually, when I was planning for this interview, that was like one of the things that I like really like began going in my head is I had the thought about like, okay, well, what narcotics have I used in D&D? Okay, I've obviously used like weed, cocaine is an easy one to use. It's just you just go fast yeah um uh and adderall makes a lot of sense to me like i guess you have to do adderall <laughs> mdma the like love dance drug you just want yeah. to feel and dance those yeah. are all very easy like homebrew but i've i've always heard people say oh i'll never do acid and i'm i'm, I'm blown away i'm like it's not it's not it's good the name like acid that burns yeah. you that burns your skin and I want something that's like, that like, even somebody hardened will be like, no, I don't want trophin. No trophin. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then you just have like a trophin addict walk up, just like massive burly barbarian. And you just like punches somebody's head off and he just like goes in their pocket, pulls out like a little crystal, walks away. Yeah. Like, what the fuck? No, that's, that's a trophin addict. Will lead you. No, I love it. Uh, so tell me about these psychedelics that you have in your games. Tell me about the the ones that have come to light uh, pretty recently because they did a jaunt through the Feywild and they mm -hmm. came upon these. There's these uh, these blood leaching mushrooms 
uh, that's singing this terrifying song called The Blood Song. And uh, my man Divot is, uh, he's a revenant now, so his arms are skeleton bones. So he didn't really have the same worry about him, and he managed to steal one to cash him. Uh, Gus is one of those players. He plays Divot in the show. He's one of those guys you love giving stuff like that to, because it's like, yeah. I won't see that blood-sucking mushroom probably for like 10 sessions from when I gave it to him. We'll both have forgotten that he had it, and then it'll come out in some really awesome, fun way that he'll he'll be like, oh, I still have that blood-sucking mushroom. Um, and then we have uh, the most powerful one in our campaign was called the Jubu Juice. Yeah. And uh, it came from this like mercenary camp kind of tribalist, more like a spirit vision kind of drug that you're supposed to take as part of like this, you know, vision quest and stuff. Well, again, you give Divid anything like that. And he's just going to take a fat squirt of it out of a water skin. And, you know, and so it did it like a, the best thing I can compare it to was it was like a Scott Pilgrim versus the world style, yeah. like giant hallucinatory images you know having a battle of of who could be more spectacular than the other person yeah. and uh for me the way i like playing dnd i mean i love seeing that stuff in my brain and so it was just like to kind of pass the mic back and forth like okay here's this crazy thing i do with magic now you go okay i'm gonna build off that and now there's a tornado of mermaids and it's like okay now yeah now this huge giant seahorse comes in you know and it's like i don't think that's what dnd needs to be all the time but in those moments when it can be that it is so fun to just go there and so yeah jubu juice man that's our that's our main main powerful mm -hmm. psychedelic in the world I like that. Jubu Juice Battle reminds me of an improv game where it's like, uh, but my army has. Yes. And you go back and forth. You're like, well, but my army has 100,000 men. Well, but my army has Godzilla. It's like, they're immune to bullets. So, yeah, it's that game you did when you were. Actually, I want to run an idea by you. I know this is off topic. This nope. is something I've legit been kicking around in my head about doing. And it's the idea of like, you know, like those epic rap battles of history, like that kind of, like those, that, that, that thing. I want to freaking dungeon masters. I want to have dungeon master battles where it's literally like an imagination off. And so it's like, here's the conditions. You're at this old elven ruin and there's these four crystals that are shooting beams. Go. And then it's just like a narrative and it's all in good fun and respect and love. And at the end, it'll be great. But it's like, you kind of hype it up. Like it is a bit more like a rap battle. And I just think the energy and the creativity of something like that, even if it's, again, even if it doesn't succeed, it would be enough of a train wreck that I think everybody could have a lot of fun with it. But what do you think as another DM? Does that idea excite you at all? I I, I, I like it. I'm, so on the base explanation, it's kind of like a, there's a situation, but um, I think what would be cool if you give both of them goals, but they don't know the other person's goal. Ooh, yeah. So, like, my goal is to destroy the four crystals with their own beams. Your goal is to be able to make me say the word alphabet. Yes. And, Ooh. So Love we'll just go that. back and forth, back and forth, and I'll just be like, you see, is the third light hits the second light of the crystal, and it begins to shake. And so I give <laughs> you a chance to, of course, stop that. EM hands I like, thought immediately. <laughs> I begin to write A, B, C, D, E on the ground. The alphabet? Oh! Oh, <laughs> I lost that, you stink! Out of here! Yeah, yeah. Just like a challenge like that. Like oh, an improv man. challenge where both people can't know, but yeah. also the points don't matter. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. There's no it's, winner. It's all about the, the experience. Yes. Yeah. yeah. No, thank you. I, I again that just it's we were just talking and I was like, you know what? I bet Zach, I bet he's he's got some thoughts on this. So if you do that, I want to be involved. That's what I was gonna say. Keep your DMs, keep an eye on those, because I'll be I'll probably it's now that the idea has you, you validated this concept and now it's oh, going. Yeah, it's a great idea. It's a hundred percent a great idea. I love yeah. that. I, I yeah. always want to do improv games and improv shows. Yes. Like I um whose line is it anyways? Like I haven't I've seen every single YouTube clip, I've seen every single episode. Like I watch them now and I'm like, I already know what he's gonna say. Yeah. It's not it's the not same story. Improv. It's not improv anymore. <laughs> I feel like it's a script. Yep. Yeah, oh. no. No, I mean, yeah, I grew up on that stuff too, man. Whose line is it anyway? I did a lot of improv in high school and taught some improv teams in college and you know, it's uh, I love it as a, as an art form, but I too, it's like the feeling you have about who's lighted is it anyway. I tend to have about just it as a whole now. Like I'm just like I kind of see behind the screen of what this is, 
And the, the, I, I, I try to enjoy things. I'm not one of those people that likes not liking things. And I think that's become way too popular these days to think that like, because you shit on something, you somehow have authority to do so. I like liking things. And so I always love the passion of improv. I always love the, the idea that we're all here to have fun. But again, it's like, again, as an actor, it's just like, you know what this could have used though? A little bit of preparation. Like you guys should, even if you're not going to run the I think, you know, and I find the improv groups that I respect, like I can't help but shout out Brenna Folger, who's in their cast. She's like a, a, an improv goddess. And it's like, and her theory, if it's funny, like the ones you respect tend to be like, yeah, no, we need to rehearse working with each other, you know, and stuff like yeah. that. So there's, there's a, I, it's funny. I just have similar issues with, with improv. I, it was like everything to me at one time. And now I, I don't, I don't, I, I do it as a, a tool in my toolbox rather than like the performance itself. Yeah. I feel that it, it definitely isn't like, it can't be your bread and butter as a DM. It has to be your, your toolbox. I used to use it as a, um, a bread and butter, but what um I found is, especially getting intoxicated is I would lose a few of those things. Cause I'd have all this story in my head, get a few tokes deep. And then all of a sudden I'm like, get a, I get to the end of the session. I'm looking at my pregame notes or I'm like, I'm like reading the post game. I'm like, I didn't have the princess talk about the frog King that they're about to meet next session at all. Oh no. Oh, there was no preface. There was nothing cool. I didn't even give him the key. Yeah. Am I just gonna lay it on the ground? I guess yeah. I'm laying it on the ground. Yeah, they'll find that when they wake up. <laughs> oh, sweet! I got the key. A frog princess walks over with the key. Hey, so I fucking forgot. <laughs> By the way, hey, you guys, weren't you like 16 no miles away? Enough. Yeah, no horse and carriage. Don't worry about it. Yeah. Here, um, isn't this a dangerous area? Yeah, no, no, no. I'm fine. Don't worry about me. Just go. Also, I'm the only person that knows this information, information. Hey, that's uh, that's something I have learned uh, recently that I really loved about the idea of running a game that I think everybody should be privy to is uh, it came from Sly Flourish, Flourish who, have, who has great uh, resources for Dungeon Masters, but it's the idea of a secret card. And it's like, it's hard to facilitate the, the, the lore giving to your players uh, without it feeling like needless exposition. And so rather than like, okay, I have a book in the library. And when they find that book, this is where all those details will be. Well, if they don't go to that book, you're kind of screwed. Like you have, you don't have the mechanic to give them that anymore. And so now it's like, rather than having a book that they need to find, you have the secrets, you have the answers and they are wherever they go looking for them. And so they feel rewarded for their own gameplay decisions. And you are making them find your lore, which is the Dungeon Master's dream. It's like, please care about all this stuff that I worked on. And so, man, since I started those secret cards, I have loved running games because it's just like, man, whatever you want to do, I have some things for you to find there, you know? And so, and it just, it makes them more interested in every little detail and they, they, they play the game more entertainingly for me. And then I feel like I don't know all the answers sometimes, which is fun as a DM to be like on the edge of your seat, you know, the world, you know, the conditions, you know, the players and what they're doing. But outside of that, like they, a, a character can go left when you wanted to go right, you know? And so, and I think you should let them, you know, and, and I, that's not to say don't railroad them. You can have it where they turn left and what they were going to see when they went right is now left. And they they made their decision. You got them to go where you wanted to go, but both of you are happy. <laughs> exactly. That, that, that's, I always like, I always question myself. I'm like, God damn it. I think I've been railroading them the entire time. And I'm like, but, but I haven't, they, they wanted to go here. I just happened to make over there what I wanted. Yeah, Colville has a, his expression for it is chase him up a tree. I like that. You know what I mean? It's like, look, you're going to get to choose what you do when you're in the tree. All those decisions will be yours. But isn't it better if this adventure starts in the castle or if we start, you know, days journeys away and there's all this stuff in the way? Like, let's just kind of agree. It's more fun to, like, get to the meat and potatoes. Like, why are we looking at this scene, you know? And so it's, yes, it helps facilitate that so, so much better. It's just like, you can just do what the players want to do. They'll have more fun. They'll engage more with the world you built. So you get to let them play in that world and you're both having a lot of fun doing it. So yeah, those, those little secret cards though, man, I was like, that was like a paradigm shift in my brain. 
Because, you know, we've all been there. We've all had the book they didn't read or that they threw in the fire or, you know, it's like, it's, uh, and what do you do then, you know? So, yeah, I hope that helps. That's like a, that's that's something that was very valuable to me recently. For people who haven't heard about secret cards, what would you describe secret cards as? So the the secret card is basically small tidbits of lore about your world that would they don't even necessarily need to relate to the characters massively. In fact, sometimes it's very nice if they don't. I like the fact that a world exists outside of just what my characters are doing. But it's one simple line feature detail. Um, a good one, a good example is to be like the king's vizier has been replaced by a doppelganger. Now. That doesn't actually answer any questions. Where did the doppelganger come from? Why does the king know? There's a ton of questions that get created with that secret that then your players can choose to go investigate. And then again, I advise the way that I like to run games now, letting them kind of tell you what they think is the way to do it and then letting that be the way that you do it. You know, it's like let your players try things differently than you designed them and let them be rewarded for their cool powers and their cool features and their illusions and let them fly over your wall if they can fly like don't be mad that's what they that's why they want to be this person and so you know these secrets are like it's a dungeon master's way to highlight lore details about their world that their players might want to investigate. It can be more specific. It can be about an NPC that they're looking for. Oh, that person is actually in the shadow cell right now or, you know, has been imprisoned by this mage. Now you got to go deal with the mage. You know, it's like use them to seed story hooks that are based in your own lore. Now your players, because the lore affects them, it matters to them. And when it matters to them, they'll start playing inside of it. So it's like a mutually beneficial way to run a game that has kind of revolutionized the way I experience Dungeon Mastering personally now. And uh, so, yeah, those little secret cards, bro. Ten of them. Ten, and write new secrets every session. Don't use so your... Do you just have like a little document on your computer or do you have like actually like little cards? Legit have like a little... like Ooh. This one isn't one, right? This is the size card that I use. But it, okay. would, it would be, there would be 10 here. So I have one. Okay. Yes. Yeah, just like um, a little white card. Okay. Yeah, I like, I, it helps me. You know, it's like, I, that would be something I would either clip on my DM screen or, uh, you know, it's like what they even say, don't be afraid to throw your secrets out. Like, don't don't think anything in your world is too precious because the most precious thing is your player's engagement in that world. So a good example, if the Duke is, is get, all right, so somebody assassinated the Duke and it's supposed to be his son. But your player comes up to you and he goes, you know, I noticed this detail and this detail. And now if you think about it, based on the way these people are talking, I think it's actually like the princess that killed him. Please listen to me. Let the princess be the one who killed him. That is way better. That'll Your players will love it. And they'll think you're brilliant because they took all these little details. They did the work for you. They made it all connect and make sense. It makes more sense than your original idea. Let them be right. Just oh, yeah. put them on it, and don't and unapologetic. Just go, and now it's yours. And you, you were always gonna do it that way, and it is so fun that way. And it's just like again, it's like you just give them these little hooks, and you let them decide how they're gonna interact with your world, and then you support that. That's that's what I think DMing really is. You know, it's it's not so much the dungeon building I thought it was the the encounters and what they mean and how it's it's at the end. It's just like. How do I make this the most epic thing? Like epic, we all want to be epic. How do we make this epic in a way that still exists within a framework of rules that make us feel good for beating them? You know, so that's that's how I like to do it. <laughs> oh, I completely agree. It's 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 really just all about having fun within those rules. So I really like those secret cards. Um, I usually have like a document for like town lore and stuff like that. And those are exactly that. Because um, one piece of advice I, I took from another one of these interviews was take opportunities. Like any anytime your character is like, you know what, I want to go explore that dark alleyway. Find something in the plot that that connects and and have him walk down the alleyway and he sees something, he finds something, he he hears something. He it just something has to happen connecting to the plot. Why? Because they decided and now they are going to get an opportunity. And like, maybe it's nothing. Maybe yeah. they they roll low on a perception and they actually don't get anything. But yeah, they, they got that roll. <laughs> yeah. Um, I had a question. So when you were to bring it back to intoxicants, 
when you're creating like uh, Juju Juice and your other hallucinogens, how do you go about creating them mechanically for the game? Typically through so um, like there's there's kind of the balance of there's the key stats in the game. There are stats that stand alone stronger than others because they tie into like like constitution, wisdom, you know, like there's there's those and then there's like the strength, like you're very rarely making like a pure strength saving throw or something for the way the functions in the spell in the game work. I think yeah. it's important if you're going to make things that modify the rules that you have a a basic understanding of the rule system and why it is the way it is. Like the the bounded accuracy math of 5th edition is very specifically limits how much you can boost your character through things like magic or training and stuff. It keeps the, you know, the plus 11 minus 11 window is pretty tight in 5e. And if you start getting too ridiculous, I I think of it using it as a narrative tool like you know, find a way that you it has it has to have a cost and penalty ratio of some kind because as positive as I am about use you know recreational use of mind enhancing substances, I might also agree that there is a trade off that should be warranted into the use of such substances in a game. So um, you do you make some kind of balanced trade off. I do like things like the concept of addiction. Like you start using something too much you start having a hard time functioning without it. I think that also helps tell interesting stories to us as human beings for us to play out in our fantasy world, a safe environment to play out what it might be to be a drug addict. Like that's maybe the safest place to have that experience. Um, And so, yeah, I, a minor always very minor. It's more a color flare than an immediate, like it would never be like a plus two or a plus four to a stat. It would always exist in that plus one. Um, I'd be really careful about not making it any stronger than class effects. Your class should be the strongest thing about you, the class that you are. And so when your magic items start being the strongest thing about you or the potions you drink start being the strongest thing about you, it takes away a little bit from what I think the balance of the game is built on. And that is like player character enjoyment. So it would be, it would, if anything, it would just be an excuse for them to have a little extra narrative flair you know, they can be as colorful or as silly as they want. If they want to be manic and stressed out, they could do some astral cocaine, you know, that they got from some weird guy, you know, which is a fun encounter to play. Yeah. Um, but again, it's it's more, it's in support of the story. Um, I don't want to make game-breaking items. I, I think I do care about Raw a little too much to where it's like, it's not worth breaking the game a little bit just so I get to have my joke or pun. But I do like them as a function of like a mundane magic item type thing, something that gives you access to a power but has a cost you know it's, i guess is the, the really simple way to have answered that <laughs> no I, I like that a lot um it's actually a little bit different from kind of how i do it i'm i'm a very kind of like power uh builder like i change a lot of the hp and ac of creatures just because i give my people a lot of like magical items and different things to use and and mess with and uh often i'm just like yeah, let's make these characters fucking crazy. Yes. Uh, like at level twenty, they're gonna be like, the, well, at like level eight, they're already like going to talk with the god of death. Like they're gonna be doing some insane things as we get higher. Exactly that so you know, <laughs> that's exactly what happened in our game. So I, yeah, I'm I'm a Casano aspersion. <laughs> like no, yeah, yeah. so hard. I'm like okay, yeah. okay, yeah. you want. <laughs> All right, so you try and keep it kind of like I, I like playing with uh, addiction as well because it, it's a uh, it's it's a more serious topic. But like you said, D and D is kind of like that free area to have it. But it it does begin to like show you that it comes out of nowhere, and that's usually what I have to do is uh, it, how how do you like kind of mechanically run addiction if a player is like overusing a similarly i i again i i don't like to step into the core stats of a character too much but rather play it as a narrative function like you know it's it's like it's almost like uh if you if you're really rooted to the alignment system it's like a forced alignment change a little bit like and again i think it's a gift to give to have that where it's like let me it maybe you're you know i i would say something similar to the exhaustion system you know where there's like some kind of physical penalty if you don't get it but for me the opportunity for the game like exhaustion sucks everybody fucking hates yeah, exhaustion no. and so it's like that's to me not a fun story to tell however the narrative ability of just being like hey you're starting to get addicted to this and then let them tell me what that means to them you know i don't want to force 
necessarily what I think, you know, it is on them in the moment or anything. But to me, as far as like a gift to the game, it's better to be like, hey, you're starting to get addicted to this. And then if they don't play into it enough, I'll start helping them with their narrative of it a little bit. Like, okay, yes, you did say that, but you notice the guy as he's looking at your face, like doesn't respond the way you would think. And you realize that you're like sweating profusely and your hands are starting to twitch a little bit. And you, you, you see your fingers are always flittering and stuff, you know, not taking away the agency of their character, but just starting to paint those details and hoping that they would then take that and continue it narratively. That's, that's how I would handle it. No, I agree. And uh, I like that kind of, cause You'll never know how your characters are going to or your players are going to react to when you say they're addicted. Like they might have a completely different response than what you think. Like they might go full into, all right, well, I'm addicted. I'm sticking to it. Or they might go, "Uh, well, I guess I have to go to rehab, guys. Sorry, party. Uh, Yeah. Now you have a game. There's a session. Now you're like, what is magical medieval fantasy rehab? You know, like what cleric are you going to? And is there like some intrigue at the temple? Well, there better be. You know what I mean? Like it's like that's 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 why I love D&D. There's no the therapist is actually the biggest dealer in town. Exactly. Yeah. He's got gold that he shouldn't have. He seems to yeah live a lavish life. And it's like sure, if you want to dig at that, there's a whole new story to tell there. Let's do it. That's what that's that hits upon what I'm talking about. Like if it's a gift to your campaign, if it opens more story hooks and doesn't take away player agency, then it's valuable to me. You know, it's just another, another tool, like any of the other tools that you would use, you know? And, uh, and again, because it is very important, a tool you should clarify at session zero, you're going to be using. Cause some people aren't comfortable with that. Some people have very negative experiences with addiction or very deep rooted ideas. And that could potentially turn at your table. Those things, if you're going to be playing with those elements, I cannot recommend enough covering that at session zero and just gate again. You're just here to make sure everybody has a good time. If that ruins their engagement or their good time, it's not worth it. There's a thousand other tricks you can use. So, um, but yeah, if everybody signed on at session zero, I think, I think the stories that can come out of that, that's a very human thing. And whatever anybody wants to admit it or not, Dungeons and Dragons is a human story. Like, I understand yeah. it's you getting to play all these other creatures you're not those creatures though and your whole bent of morality is based on a life of being a human and so it's it's a dragonborn's version of a human's mythos but we're still we're telling human stories and so it's like i think that's that's a very valid story to tell in the human experiences something gives me this power this benefit makes me feel good makes me feel something but i start utilizing it too much and what are the implications of that in a world full of fantasy and magic and dragons and i think that's a hell of a game to play i would love to play it so you know as long as it gives if it gives to the story let it if it takes away from the story throw it away if you were to so we've talked about you you said talked about session zeros a little bit uh if you were to run a session zero like right now for a new group how would you go about tackling intoxicants and like um kind of those different themes at session zero it's i'm pretty straightforward in the sense that like when a group comes in or we're all going to start making characters right away you know it's like that's kind of the break of like we're all working on this thing together now because then it starts making them think about their character in the way they answer what they're you know and so i like to say hey here's the games that i run here are themes that i tend to touch on You all have an opportunity to tell me not to use those themes, but you don't have to tell me right now. You can send me a message. You can, because I want to take the idea of like being a, 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 you don't want people to know that certain things bother you. I don't want that at all. Feel free to tell me. I'm not going to ask you why. I'm going to respect your opinion. And if you don't want that thing, I'm not going to argue with you. I'm not going to force you to drug up why. I'm just going to get rid of it because we're telling stories and there's a thousand different ways to do that. So just respect what your players are asking you to do. And so that's what I would say. I would say I I go, I mean, my games are very graphic. Um, there may be, I don't, I don't simulate rape um, or like I'm not a hypersexualized person. I'm a fade to black kind of guy. I, I don't have a problem if somebody wants to be romantic in a game and you know do their thing, that's fine. But I'm not, that's not why we're all at the table to sit around and have this face role play to you what that busty barmaiden says to you in bed. You know, so, but it's like, I want to say, look, I'm, I'm, I dungeon master the way I talk to you in real life. And I swear. And I, I, I think that I like the extreme violence of D&D as far as a narrative tool to help paint the picture. Um, I do like flawed, broken people that have had traumas in their life, because I think as a DM and a storyteller, there's value to showing somebody that 
evil people are more often than not broken people. And I think there's a very valuable lesson in our real lives about that. And if I can help solidify that through a fantasy world, I will. And, uh, and so I do tend to tell people that like trauma is something that exists in my games and I like it as a narrative tool, um, not as an excuse for things people do, but for a value of them as a person, no matter what, you know, despite whatever their actions may lead them to do. Um, so yeah, I, I pretty much present it that way. It's like, if you have anything you don't like, message me about it privately and just know, and you don't have to worry about it anymore. It's just be completely upfront. We don't have to dig into it and it's gone. And now I will have, and if it's something I, if it's a tool I use a lot, I will make a note of it for myself where it's there. Cause when you're DMing, you're in the zone, you're not really thinking about all the things. And so a nice little, you know, maybe list of things. If it is something that your brain defaults to have a little, just like check-in card with yourself. I have the five senses. I always have them right there. I know what the five senses are. I don't need to remind myself, but while I'm DMing, if I look down and I'm like, yes, what are they smelling right now? What does this area feel like right now? Not just the details of it, but what these, uh, these sensory things that are going to help immerse them in my world. I don't think that not, you know, not doing these things that make people uncomfortable is any different than that. I would look down at it. It would kind of inform my decisions as we went. And it doesn't need to be more than that. Don't act like you're being crippled because you're not. You can tell a story without any of these elements if you, you can. And if you can't, I'm going to say, go ahead and don't dungeon master. And I don't tell people that much, but if you can't tell a story for a group of people without infringing on the story they want to help you tell, maybe this isn't the right hobby for you. <laughs> like it's, you have to love it, man. You have to. And it's, it's you No DM worth their salt would want somebody to experience a trauma at their, at their table for the sake of a scene they could have told 20 different ways, you know? So have you ever heard of the the X card? Uh, you may be familiar with it. I haven't. No. Okay, it's a really cool tool. I'll say it quick because we're getting near the end here. Yes. yes. But um, it's uh, it's a tool I use in my games where um, if I'm in person, it's usually like right in the middle of the table. It's just a paper with an X on it. And if anything's just like too far, anything making you comfortable, tap X. Um, Love that. Just move on. You you as the DM should understand what's causing the bothersome because it'll usually be like the thing that you're thinking about most um so you'll be able to just get fade to black move on um on discord how i do it is they can just pm me an x okay Uh, i've never had to use it before but a cool little thing to introduce and it's the comfort of having that there too you know what i mean like that helps build a comfort like knowing your thoughts matter to the person you may not ever have to use the x card but the fact that it's there i love that i will absolutely start incorporating that in my games as well no i heard about it and i loved it too i i i, I couldn't think of a time when it will be used but when it is used i'm gonna hey yeah right there for it. yeah you never but, know what someone has you know you just never know you don't know and oh, it's I've like some, i've got <laughs> PMs where players have told me, hey, that bothered me. And I was like, whoa, 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 really? Really? Okay. Well, I don't I'm not gonna question it, but that sounds good. We'll we'll yeah. we'll change we'll that. Make up. sure we don't do that again. Yes. Yeah, exactly. But bam, it has been fantastic to have you on. I very much enjoy your opinions as a dungeon master. And I think we've all learned a lot today. And I think that you're gonna uh, I cannot well, I actually wanna get more time. I'll just figure it out. I'll figure out how to slow down their rotation. Yes. I'll get more time in my day to watch more weed and D. Yeah. But um, we got 30 seconds to a minute at the end. Is there anything that you want to shout out or tell the beautiful people here at Nerdy Northerners about? Dude, it's just, it's weed D and D and it always is. We're live 8 p.m. Pacific uh, every Tuesday over on twitch.tv backslash art hard studios. We're a group of professional entertainers. It's cannabis positive actual play. And man, we have just a great old time. Um, we're there. And then if you if you don't have free Tuesday nights, all our stuff's over on YouTube, man. So uh, you can absolutely check it out there. Our community is an amazing group of people. Come hang out. Uh, the buds are amazing. And I am humbled to, to know so many of them. So come on over. Just have some fun with us, man. Make sure you play games. Play games all the time. Time's up. Oh, bam. Thank you for being here. And thank you, everyone, for joining us for Dungeon Master Discussions, an excellent conversation this week. Next week, I will be talking with Big Tilly from Hops and Dragons, actually. So we got Weed and D followed by Hops and Dragons. So I'm very excited. Uh, But until next time, guys, we'll be back 
Friday, 6 to 7 p.m. Eastern time, uh, which would be 3 p.m. to 4 p.m. PST time. Excellent. Until next time, guys, I've been Zach the DM. You can find me on twitch.tv slash Zach the DM. Bye! <laughs>